hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. Hey, let's see if this card goes through for that $8,000 drink. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody wants to be a part of the in crowd. Everybody wants to to look good. My my decision was, I'm not a victim. I'm not going to stay and work someplace where this is a problem. Normally, we don't drink on queer money, but because we're talking about a subject that David is rather vanilla on... Grab a glass of wine, because you're listening to Queer Money with the Debt-Free Guys. This is the only show helping our community do more and be more by talking about money from the queer perspective. Hi, this is the Debt-Free Guys, and this is another episode of Queer Money, where we're bringing you a personal finance uh, for the LGBT community with, as John likes to say, a slightly rainbow hue. <laughs> So this week, uh, we have the pleasure of uh, meeting a director of a, uh, or actually I should say of many uh, (laughs) short films that have many times been a focus of the uh, queer cinema circuit. And uh, he's going to be bringing his film out to the Denver uh, Film Festival uh, called Cinema Q. And so we have Reed Waterer with us um, and we'd like uh, Reed to go ahead and introduce himself. Hello, everybody. Um, thanks for watching this. Uh, my name is Reed Waterer, and I am the writer and director of the short film Bed Buddies, which is the one that we'll be screening at the Denver LGBT Film Festival. And I have also made several other gay-themed short films that have played the festival circuit and been released on DVD and are on YouTube, so you might have seen them if that's possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thank, thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you, and we're excited that you're coming out to Denver. Uh, so it'll be, it'll be good to meet you. David and I have been a huge fan of the Cinema Q Film Festival here in Denver, um, and we're excited to be able to finally uh, sponsor it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're lucky enough to be sponsoring your film. Right. That's pretty cool. So yeah. That's very we, very nice of you to do that. Oh, absolutely. Thank right. you. We, uh, we actually worked with a former employer to sponsor it a couple of years, and are no longer with that employer. Uh, and this year, we finally felt confident and c- uh, our own business, <laughs> yeah, our own business to be able to sponsor a, a portion of it ourselves. So we're sponsoring the shorts this year at the film festival. Absolutely, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, we want to—I've uh, never actually met a movie director before, so <laughs> we have a whole bunch of questions about how one does that, and uh, we want to cover your career and talk about your movie and um, you know, what might inspire some of our followers, uh, regardless of whether or not they want to become a director. But um, how somebody goes from, um, you know. Just living at home with mom and dad, to kind of going into a, a non-traditional career, so to speak, because right. um, not sure. everybody gets to become a director. So, but I think the first and most important question that <laughs> some of our friends want to know: so you went to um, college at uh, went to graduate school at USC for film uh, editing or for USC film school. Sorry. Um, so, are you a um, a huge fan of the UCLA Bruins or not? <laughs> you know, I I'm unusual in that I like both schools. I have no issue <laughs> with UCLA. I almost went to UCLA. I just oh, yeah? ended up going to USC. So, both schools are great. Got you. Absolutely. Yeah. We, there's um there's a contingency of people here in, in Denver who um, are from UCLA and from USC, and um, they like to butt heads a lot. It's very entertaining for those of us on the outside. <laughs> so I had to ask. The fun um, rivalry. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Do you mind giving us a little bit of an insight of, of, of 
where you started out, you know, what your childhood was like, and what kind of maybe what point in your in your life where you were inspired to become a director or to get into movies in general? Sure. I grew up in Northern California in San Jose, um, which is now the heart of Silicon Valley. And that sort of happened as I was growing up, actually. I went to high school with the guy that started Yahoo, um, just, just by coincidence. But um, uh, And then at a certain age, I got you know into movies like a lot of people do. And I loved Alfred Hitchcock and, and sort of realized kind of that there was a person, you know, behind the scenes that was responsible for some of the movies that I loved. And then, but I never thought about doing it myself. And then they had um, speakers come in from different colleges at my high school and someone from USC came in and they were talking about, oh, we have this amazing film school and this light bulb went off and I thought, wow, I never thought of that as something you could study. And that was just the moment when I realized that's what I wanted to do. Absolutely. So when you when you realized that was the thing that you wanted to do, did you take any initiative at that point to start getting into movies, you know, making home movies or playing with cameras or editing and whatnot? Yeah, yeah it's kind of, I'm kind of unusual that way that a lot of people did do that. They made a lot of movies in their childhood. I didn't really do that. I, you know, in the drama class at high school, I started getting interested in directing the actors more than acting myself. I wasn't really interested in Mm -hmm. And so I was more coming at it from that way. That's always been the part I've enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then once I kind of decided I wanted to do that, then I fooled around with making some little projects just to make sure it wasn't something I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah. So what made you, how did you know you were more interested in being the director than being, say, the actor? What, what drew you to one over the other? Well, I think it was because, well, a lot of reasons, but the fact I, I knew I wasn't as good an actor as, <laughs> I, as it could be performed, you know, material. And also, I didn't have the self-confidence, I don't think, to be an actor. I mean, such a big part of being a great actor is being fearless, yeah. and mm -hmm. I didn't feel fearless at all at that age. Not that I'm fearless now, either, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think anybody who creates content and puts it out there for the public is fearless because it, right. it takes, to me, it takes some balls. I mean, the first time that we published an article anywhere, and even now, we publish articles at various places, and I can't read the comments because it, it kind of stresses <laughs> stresses me out. And, I, and yeah. every now and then I read them, I'm like, okay, they're good, and then I see a bad one, I'm like, I gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting part of this current time because, yeah, when you put stuff out there, you do get that feedback, and you just have to try to look at the overall um, takeaway because you'll read 10 people say, oh my goodness, I love that. And then one person will say, that was awful. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to fixate on that one, but you realize the other 10 are the ones that are telling you what you really need to know. And there's always going to be somebody that doesn't like what you do. I mean, there's people that hate, you know, the best, most successful music artists or whatever. And so there's nothing you can do about that. It's right. just personal, subjective. Yeah, you just gotta it's, take with a grain of salt. Right. It's it's funny that you you, you mentioned that you um, you felt like you were a more behind the scenes kind of person versus uh, the person up front, the actor. John and I have this kind of joke, running joke that if we were if we were ever in a band, um, I would probably be playing the drums and John would be the lead singer because. <laughs> I'm not the kind of, although doing this whole experience with doing video has, has changed a little bit, but I'm definitely not the kind of person who likes to be out front. I, I'm the one who does the editing of our podcast oh, okay, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and John is the one who wants to be <laughs> out I've there done most of the front. talking so far, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, it's working. 
Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank we appreciate you. it. So I think it's interesting. So you went to USC and you got your degree, and then you started working for Peter Boganovich, which is a pretty big deal. He's right. the director of Last Picture Show and Paper Moon, which we're both fans of, um, especially Last Picture Show. Um, how did how does one go from graduating school to working for such a prolific prolific yeah, director? Yeah. Yeah, for me, I'd always loved What's Up, Doc, when I was oh, growing up. Yeah. That's, that's his movie I loved. Um, and also Mask, I loved The yeah, Share. Really yeah. um, it was kind of a funny thing. I graduated, and I was just doing, you know, jobs, delivering things and stuff. And I, there was, a, like, a job board, actually, at USC. And it was a job, like, oh, this, somebody's looking for a messenger who's, a, you know, filmmaker or something. And I thought, oh, I should apply for this. I didn't even, I don't think I knew who it was. And then I went in for the interview and they told me who it was. And he was actually about to make that movie Noises Off, which not a lot of people have seen. It was a, uh, it had Carol Burnett in it, Michael Caine, and Christopher wow. Reeve, Nicolette oh, Sheridan. Wow. It, um, it had a big cast, but it didn't. So actually, I worked for him during the making of that movie. And then it was kind of interesting because the movie ended up getting a very minor release um, because the studio lost faith in it or something but yeah. it was a very um, great way to see right away how a studio movie is made it was more a low budget movie but that's more helpful actually when you're starting out so sure. it was a great way to start um, and also to kind of see the dynamics on set and who talks to who and who you know keeps quiet and and doesn't bother people you know that's an important part of how the politics works <laughs> yeah so did you say that he was hiring hiring a, he hired you as a messenger uh well it, you know i guess you could say that but it was more than that i mean it was working from his house and yeah i'd be with him all day long on the wow. set if he just needed but it wasn't doing anything important it would be oh get me a glass of water or run to my car and get that piece of paper or whatever, you know, but it was just being within arm's reach and anything he needed while he was making the movie. Sure. Yes. I, guess, I just kind of think of, you know, when you think of kids who have their heroes, um, you know, if, if you were, if, if Michael Jordan or, you know, a basketball, great basketball player is your hero, uh, to have uh, somebody who's in high school be able to, or in college, be able to spend all, all day long just seeing what they do on a regular basis, what their lives are like, it really gives you real insight. It's, mm -hmm. it, it's va extremely valuable to understand what it's like to do, to go through the process, especially yeah. with something that as technical as making a movie and all the different pieces and parts and people that go into making that had to have been an incredible experience for you. Yeah, one of the more interesting parts was um, it, the, the premise of the movie is Michael Caine is directing a play and there's all these problems happening, but um, they happen, they go to different theaters and different things happen, but they shot all of Michael Caine's scenes um, in a row because he was always in the, the seating area looking at the stage. So the other actors weren't even there. Oh, and wow. for like a week, it was just him saying his lines to absolutely nobody, wow. just using his imagination. And that's when I really saw how, you know, the movie does not have to be made. Like a big misconception if you go to Universal Studios or something is they say, oh, here, we're going to show you how a stunt scene is filmed. And then they act out like 10 minutes continuous and they pretend like they filmed the whole thing. But mm -hmm. it's so very much, you know, compartmentalized, just individual shots. And then it's the editing that puts it together. But the actors don't even need to be in the same room right. in order to put together a scene that feels like they're talking to each other. 
Sure. That's, that's really cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Well, I guess that, 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 that movie is a pretty good example of, of what it looks like to put a movie together like that. That would be cool to see, see the behind the scenes. What, so what I'm curious about is when you got the opportunity to work with him, did you realize that it was an opportunity or was it kind of drudgery kind of graduating college and thinking, oh man, I'm the lowest man on this totem pole? Oh no, not at all. I was very excited for the opportunity because I was a fan of his films as well. And there was a lot of big actors in this movie. I mean, you walk on set and Carol Burnett says hi to you. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, and my very, get all flustered. <laughs> the thing that was funny, the very first day I walked on set, they were filming a scene where Christopher Reeve, this was before he had his accident where he ended up in the wheelchair, but, um, Christopher Reeve and Nicolette Sheridan were both in their underwear and they were doing a scene together. And I thought, this is so strange. You know, <laughs> very first day on the job, you spent the entire day staring at them in their it's underwear. All Superman in his underwear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this <isn't normal>. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Is that maybe why a lot of your movies seem to have men walking around in their underwear? <laughs> it could be. That could be that very first day planted the seed in my head. Oh. That's, that's, that's the theme the I noticed throughout your movies. <laughs> So um, what's your affinity towards, uh, you know, you've worked on some big movies and you've done editing for, for, for TV and, and movies. What um, has, what's your affinity towards short film? Uh, well, the reason why I enjoy short films is because I can do them uh, quickly and efficiently, um, just using resources a lot of times that I already have available or people are willing to do favors, help you out when it's just a weekend or something. Um, and it's less of a uh, draw on me, I, you know, in terms of I don't even have to necessarily take any time off from my day job to make a short film. I can shoot it over a weekend and show up again the next, you know, Monday at work. And, and I didn't miss, I didn't have to miss any pay, use any vacation days. And so it's been great that way. And also, it's a great way to do something more manageable in terms of, because I also edit the pieces and I do all the sound design and, and um, just all the preparation that goes into it. So a short film is something that's a lot easier to do. Which isn't easy though, because we've done, <laughs> we've tried to do we've 30 done. second. <laughs> Who's we? <laughs> we've tried to do 30 second videos that take an entire weekend and we're still not happy with it. So, right. yeah. I mean, to, for you to say that of doing a 15 to a 45 minute movie is easy is I think um, giving yourself uh, not enough credit. <laughs> well, it's just that um, a lot of the preparation goes into making it. And, it, and trust me, it isn't always gone well and easy, but the preparation is such an important part of it, for sure. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, is what the process that you're describing is what a lot of entrepreneurs go through with starting their own business is you know it's what john and i are doing you know we, we both work full-time although that may change soon um but we both work full-time and then we do the debt-free guys as as our side basically our side business and uh it's interesting that you've you've kind of adopted that same thing with filmmaking it, i think a lot of people uh look at the challenges or the barriers to being able to do something and one of the first things they say is oh well i already have a job i can't do that i don't have enough yeah. time but you've like you said you've kind of broken it down compartmentalized these various pieces and and you can do it when it is uh agreeable with your schedule and then produce something that you are very happy with or that is is uh something that is uh, well received by society or by groups of people yeah 
Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that I have a lot of coworkers. Um, we'll talk about my job in a second, but who say, I can't believe you do these projects. I don't have time to do anything like that. But, you know, like I say, it's just more saying I'm going to do it on this particular weekend. And then that train's leaving the station and you just have to jump. You know, you have to be ready. You know, it's like if you're packing for a trip and your flight leaves at a certain time, there's a point at which you just close the suitcase and go out the door. <laughs> right. So just setting that deadline is an important part of making it happen. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good tip for people. Well, I think you know Tim Ferriss just had an interview on um, with the guy who did um, who wrote the Kite Runner. Um, he was a doctor with full, you know, family and children, and he wanted to write a book. The only way he could write that book was by waking up an hour earlier every morning to write that book, and it took several years for him to do it. So, I mean, there there are ways to do it. If if you have a goal. Um, your current job isn't what your dream job is and you have a goal to get somewhere, right. then you can certainly make it work. Um, in most cases, I should say, um, you can usually make it work to try to get to the point that you want to get at. Exactly. That's true. Do you, um, so you, you have your hands in a lot of aspects of the movie industry. Is there one particular aspect that you like the most? Is it directing or do you prefer editing or do you like to be a jack of all trades? Well, I mean, what, what my day job is, is I work as an editor of advertising for movies and TV shows. Uh, so trailers that you might see in the theater. And um, now more often I'm working on advertisements for shows that are maybe on Netflix or Amazon, things like that. So Grace and Frankie, I saw. Grace and Frankie. I did all the advertising for season one of Grace and Frankie, most, or I should say most of that advertising. And like, I did the teaser trailer for Mamma Mia is a movie that I did some advertising work for. The editing, it's funny, it's something I kind of fell into doing. It wasn't something that I was seeking out when I left film school. I, I, I thought it was fine. It was just one part of making a movie in my mind. And then it's the same thing. I, I actually met someone at a party who created trailers for movies and I thought that's an interesting job. I never thought about the fact somebody does that. And then <laughs> And then, I, strangely enough, the week after that, I heard about a, an opening at a company that did that. And it's the same thing. I had to go in as a messenger um, to get that job. And I wasn't editing right away. I had to, even though I knew how to edit in theory, you know, you have to go in and learn sort of the rules of that business. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, if you are an expert in financial things, that doesn't necessarily mean you're an expert on how you make a blog or whatever, you know, that's part of what it takes to launch, you know, and so you have to learn the, the steps that are required to make that transition. But once you kind of learn the way movie advertising is edited, then you get more and more familiar with how to solve the problems each project presents. Right. It reminds me of the 10,000 hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that something kind of similar. We live in a, such an instant society. Kids want to graduate, and they want to Im immediately be making seventy, eighty thousand dollars from whatever field that they're in. Or you know, they think that they're going to run off to Hollywood, and immediately they're going to be signed up for a blockbuster. You know. And yeah. so it, it the the value of what we learn in the process versus having instant success or microwavable success is is what allows many of us to continue and sustain that you know you we we don't i know that we have in in our 
you know, in our three years of working with uh, the Debt Free Guys and our, our brand, um, we have at times been thankful that we haven't received certain success because we 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 wouldn't have known how to repeat it or continue doing certain things, mm -hmm. and now we do. You know, well, now we would have failed at it and never gotten the opportunity again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. no, it's important. Yeah. And I, I agree with what you're saying. Like there's people that I went to school with who weren't willing to take a job as a messenger at a, you know, editing company because they thought, they thought I deserve to be an editor. And because they didn't pay those dues for six months or a year. Meanwhile, that time flew by. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm working as an editor and they're still waiting for someone <laughs> right. to give them that job. You know, sometimes you have to do that. Get your seems, foot in the, the other thing that I'm getting from you, it seems like you're pretty open to, to learning new things that are out there and then giving it a try. I mean, you didn't know that you didn't know about you know that somebody you know you could get into movies before somebody presented that to you at, in, at high school. Um, you didn't know that you could get into editing before you heard about that at a party. But you you were open to those opportunities and you you gave them a try and they're obviously working out for you. Right. Well, I think also though it's partially when you hear something that you you feel connected to because I think that's an important part of having success in any career is you want to have a job that you at least um, feel that you're good at or that you enjoy one or the other right. you know right. is because then you have a lot more passion a lot more willingness to put in those extra hours or give that extra effort when it's something that either you think your work will be recognized or you just enjoy doing it Right. So it, it seems to me, just based on what you just said, then you do have a lot of passion around this. This this whole idea of creating yeah. a, creating what whether it's a movie or a trailer or whatever it is, you have that. It, what what is it about that? What's the, how, how does describe that passion a little bit for us? Because I think a lot of people um, who want to be successful miss that piece of finding that passion. Um, and and you know, to some to, to some people, the passion may not be. The passion is as Oprah describes it or you know, maybe it's a, a, a different level of passion of endurance passion that they have So what is it like for you with this kind of passion around filmmaking or producing a, a, a product like that? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. I mean when I was a little kid I remember staging something with my friends where we acted out a little play for the other kids in the neighborhood So I don't know maybe that storytelling thing was always something that was inside of me. But it's interesting too, when I was in film school, I had so much passion about it, but I didn't really have anything to say, I realize now. <laughs> so that was, you know, and because that's an interesting part of the journey is, uh, I didn't have any faith in myself as like a writer at that point. I knew I wanted to direct, but I didn't think anyone would be interested in any script that I wrote. But as I've gotten older and you have more experience in life and you sort of observe more the issues that challenge you and challenge people you know, you start to um, realize, oh, maybe I have something to say about that that someone else might think is funny or charming or interesting. Yeah. Like one of my most successful short films is called You Can't Curry Love and it's a gay love story set in India. And I've always loved um, Bollywood movies, uh, Hindi language films from Mumbai and I been a fan for many years and I loved all the actors in the films and I got interested. I wonder if there's ever been like a gay Bollywood movie and there really hadn't been. I mean, it had scratched the surface a few times and I thought, this is something I love. I love these movies. I love the, the 
the way they are presented and I love the energy and the music and I want to try to create a gay Bollywood short <laughs> film. And because I was excited about it, I was really doing it as much just for for the fun and I thought there's got to be a huge um, community that would love to see this right. and because it's easier for me as an outsider to do it than it would be actually for people you know with the societal pressures right. you know um, preventing them from doing it I I thought oh I'll do that and then that really connected in a way I never imagined uh, where it went kind of viral and it has over four million views online yeah. And it played 75 film festivals or something. And again, I, I never, I didn't start out thinking strategically like, oh, this will help my career. Mm-hmm. It was purely because it was something I thought would be fun to make and that I would enjoy watching and that hopefully other people would enjoy. Sure. Well, we, we, we enjoyed the movie a lot. It was yeah. very enjoyable. It, it's interesting that you say that because oftentimes don't you see that it's the ones where people have that kind of feeling about whatever it is they're working on, whether they're writing a book or they're creating a movie or their music. music, the ones that they have the most fun, the most enjoyment, the most passion around, those are the ones that, and like you said, you weren't necessarily going out there trying to achieve success. It wasn't a strategy. And it just happened. Because, and I think it's, you know, oftentimes it's the, in the end product that people can see that 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 there's that passion behind it. Yeah, you know, that there's there's some something there's something more than just it's being put out there as a product. It's a product that has some feeling behind it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. So what part of the process do, would you say that you like the most? Do you like the writing process, the creative process? Do you like presenting the finished product to the public? Do you like the promotion part? Like where's the, where's the Well, the part I like the least is the writing. <laughs> I don't enjoy that part at oh, all. Yeah. Um, but the part I enjoy the most is the casting where the actors come in who are potentially going to play the roles and you hear the lines for the first time read out loud by people and interpreted and um, turned into like a fully realized character sometimes where they inject their own ideas of what the person's backstory or motivations Mm -hmm. might be and sometimes they've given more thought to that than even as the writer you have, that they've fleshed out why this person is a loner or whatever it is that you've written. And they've created this whole thing that, that you know you didn't even imagine. And so they, they bring it in to the audition and they read it out loud. And, and it isn't always even what you imagine, but that part is really fun and interesting. And then when you get the person who is just perfect. It's very exciting because you see them do the audition and it's like you wrote this character, you had no idea could you find someone like that and they walk in the door and it's, that's the most, like when I did the the Indian short film, I had written a character that I wanted to be like someone that seemed like a, you know, an Indian movie star and I thought, can I find someone to come in and play this role in a gay short film who looks like an Indian movie star and someone walked in who had been on an Indian soap opera and had just moved to Los Angeles hoping to start working in American film and television. And, and he was exactly what I had been imagining. And that's, that moment is very exciting. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, it must be kind of neat. We, you know, we don't have that experience, but it must be kind of neat to sort of create a person or a character and then have somebody kind of bring that to life and 
especially if, if they add nuances to it that you weren't necessarily thinking of yourself. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he was a beautiful character to, to, to <laughs> for, uh, actor to hire. <laughs> Very attractive. Um, so I'm curious, David and I have, have talked about this for a while, you know, after, ever since we saw The Cellular Closet, the sort of the evolution of gay movies and how we sort of started out as sort of the, the, the court jester in, in movies and then we kind of transitioned to the villains and then the 90s happened and there seemed to be a lot of evolution there in our characters and actually becoming real people. What, um, what are your thoughts on, on that evolution and how has that evolution sort of inspired your work? Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I remember being young and just searching for any kind of visibility, and it, it was even if it was just a little hint of something subtle, that was exciting. And then, yeah, there was that period where it became more um, specific, but yeah, a lot of times there was a villainous aspect to it, or uh, if it wasn't that, it was tragic. And right, so, yeah, true. yeah, it was like waiting and waiting for that moment when it was just a natural part and then slowly that started to happen I mean there was a period of the you know HIV AIDS related movies that kind of opened that door you know where the characters were more fully realized and and then once we moved past those films then it began to be more just stories about people having relationships and things and what's nice now is there's a new thing happening of it's post that. It's not even about the relationships a lot of times now. These films that are being made now, they could be about heterosexual people or gay people, bi, trans. It doesn't matter. There's stories about a situation that happens to these characters, and it's completely irrelevant what the sexual orientation or gender identity or whatever of the character is. Right. So that's really exciting change yeah. that's happening right now. There's a lot of genre movies, horror movies, and I saw a science fiction gay short film yeah. recently. Yeah, so that's really a neat change. That's cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. I, we haven't actually seen that quite ourselves just yet, but maybe we'll yeah. start seeing that more. Yeah, which we uh, we haven't seen as many films as we would like to see, no. partly because of doing our side hustle more, yeah, more recently in the last couple of years. But, so yeah, but. So, um, so you kind of that kind of segues into our, our next question. I sort of you know having looked at your career and, and taking the you know gay cinema into totality, it sort of seems like you're a pioneer in kind of normalizing um, you know gay cinema. You know, you're, you're presenting you know at least the movies that we saw. It it, it could be a heterosexual couple, it could be a lesbian couple, it could be anybody. Um, how does it feel to sort of be on the, on the cusp of that? And do you feel like you're blazing trails? And are there risks or rewards there that are coming with that? Yeah, I'd hate to say that I'm a pioneer because I feel like there's many people that truly were the pioneers that deserve that credit. Um, you know, the Todd Haynes of the world. Oh, there's so many people, so many people that did so many things that led to this point. Uh, but I think what's exciting now is, yeah, that some of these films that I make, these short films, they play in non-gay film festivals sometimes mm -hmm. just because the people, the programmers, think that the audiences would enjoy these stories and not have an issue with the characters being gay. And I've seen them play in festivals with non-LGBT films. And so that is that is cool. Um, again, I don't really think of it as something that I'm doing so much, just as that the world is changing and that people have less of an issue with LGBT people and their lives. And so I'm just 
you know, benefiting from that more than anything. I mean, a few years ago, I remember I did a, a gay short film a long time ago, and it I couldn't even get any actors that wanted to do the film. I would, literally would have one actor for each role willing, and they weren't even for the gay characters, to play like the parent of a gay character. Mm -hmm. This wasn't that long ago, but people didn't want to be associated with anything like that. It would ruin their career. Right. And now... Now, you know, you see, finally, we're having openly gay and lesbian actors that have, you know, vibrant careers in the business. So it's really exciting. Was that a, a kiss on the cliff? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, that was the thing is we look back on that, and we, you know, do just doing a little bit of research, just and we thought 22 years ago, you know, yeah. it, it, there um, so many changes have come about in those 22 years. And, um, that's kind of why we thought, you know, you you were doing work, you're trying to do work in this field such a long time ago, and and to see all of the changes, it's you know we have to be very grateful for all the things that have happened, and it's it's uh, it's individuals, you know, one of the things that we talk about oftentimes in the work that we do is that we plant seeds. You know, we can't change people's lives, we can't make them do anything. Uh, financially that they don't want to do we can all, only hope that we're planting a seed and that in the future that develops into them being able to be financially secure or or, or free from financial enslavement um, and that's kind of what I was thinking is uh, you know you, you your work starting 22 years ago you know you don't know what kind of seeds are whose whose lives you touched or, or ways that you affected people and to want to do something like that 22 years ago I mean even living in California you know, that 22 years ago, it may have been a little bit easier, but it still was extremely difficult for for individuals to be open in public uh, about wanting to have a career around something as <laughs> significant as LGBT issues. Right. Yeah. So we no, just... I mean, you're, you're right, for sure. I'm, I mean, to me, it was very important, like that Gus Van Sant was openly gay and had a career that was developing in Hollywood at that time because it showed it didn't it wasn't a deal breaker that you could, right. and even Joel Schumacher, you know, that there were directors that were openly gay and having careers, and that was very important, and it, it showed you that you could be proud and open and still work in the business, and, but yeah, when you talk about that short that I did back then, I remember having to warn the people at the film lab, you know, that this film has two men kissing in it, so... <laughs> wow. You might have an issue with this, you know, I want to make sure you'll be willing to develop this film, which seems ridiculous right. that you had, but you did have to do that. I mean, that, it's funny, though. I had an experience uh, creating some subtitles for one of my films not very long ago, maybe two, three years ago, where there was uh, whoever did the subtitling made some little homophobic little joke in the the notes of the subtitles hidden in the file somewhere mm -hmm. and I just happened to discover it when I was checking the spelling and it wasn't a big deal or anything but it just shows you that that attitude is still out there and you know we can't get complacent and forget right that's why I think it's exciting that you're, you're telling us that that your your gay themed movies are getting into non-gay themed Film festivals, because I think it was Harvey Milk who used to talk about the best thing that you can do for the cause is to come out of the closet. Because when somebody knows a gay person, they realize that we're not 
freaks or whatever the, whatever their issues may be, and they're more likely to support you as time goes on. And that's one of the, the powers of cinema is that they can present characters to you that, that you might not think are actually in your life, and you can start to learn oh, they're actually just human beings too. Right. They want to be validated, and they want to have uh, relationships, um, caring relationships, and loving relationships. And that's why I think it's right. it's great what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting you say that too because when you talk about the power of film and it was actually seeing the film, The Times of Harvey Milk, the documentary oh, yeah. about him and they had that speech where he talked about the need to come out was what inspired me or forced me, whatever, to come out myself. It was yeah, seeing that nice. speech and really hearing his words but it was also this film and the fact that these directors told the story and you know made the sacrifices they had to make in order to get those words out there. Right. And so it's, it's, it, is an, it is a responsibility also. Yeah. It's a good analogy of the iceberg effect. You know, it takes all this time to finally get to the peak and finally everybody else can, you know, the peak is above the water and everybody can finally see all the work that's taken in to get to this point. Right. It's pretty interesting. So I want, we want to talk about your, um, your, your film that you're push, uh, showing right now, Bed Buddies. Yeah. Um, are we going to do show yeah, a clip so of it? Yeah, let's, so let's go ahead and, uh, and watch a clip of this, uh, or the, the uh, trailer for this movie. Cheers. <laughs> you want to know what would really make me hot? Kiss your friends. What? No, that's weird. Hey, come on, I want to see it. <sighs> that was you I fucked? What the hell? That leather guy last night kept buying us drinks. I assumed when I woke up that you fucked the hell out of me last night. And I was laying here feeling proud I topped the leather guy. You are so damn sexy. Danny? Maybe we're overreacting. I mean, a lot of gay guys sleep with their friends at least once. I think what's happening here is we're feeling a lot of emotions and we're confusing that for love. Well, actually, it just never occurred to me. What, we all three gonna start dating or something? <laughs> Why not? I just don't think it could work. Have you ever met a couple that's made up of three people, ever? That's why it's called a couple. What are we supposed to do, pretend this never happened? Why not? Gay dudes sleep with guys all the time and just forget about it. Sometimes even in the same day if there's something good on TV. Um, so do you mind um, giving a sort of a synopsis of, of what Bed Buddies is about? Please. Sure, Bed, Bed Buddies is about some longtime gay friends who go out for a night of drinking, fun, and wake up the next morning and realize they slept together. And previous to this, they were just friends, buddies. And the fact that they had sex suddenly raises all these questions. Are, were we meant to be something more? Or was this just fun? Or, you know, what, what's the difference between the love you feel for your friends and the love you feel for a significant other? You know, it, it, I think it's a unique dilemma that gay and lesbian people face where the group of people we tend to hang out with as friends oftentimes is the same group that we are pursuing as, you know, someone we want to date. Right. And so it's like if you're a straight person, you could be best friends with someone of the same sex your whole life and never think, oh, I should be dating them. Right. But, but when you're gay or lesbian <laughs> and you're best friends with somebody, you think, oh, were we meant to be a couple? You know, it's right. strange. Yeah, where's the line? And 
if I feel strong feelings for this person, I love spending all my time with them. Is that love? I mean, and yeah, so I thought that'd be a, a fun, interesting thing to explore. Yeah. And then the other aspect of it is uh, there's three people. And so there's a love triangle. And that kind of got inspired by during all the marriage equality debate. People kept saying to opponents, oh, if we allow gay marriage, then next thing you know, there'll be you know polygamy. There'll be plural marriages. Like, and I thought, why? What's why is that the worst thing that they can imagine? What's the big deal? I mean, why is that like the ultimate nightmare situation? I mean, there's plenty of issues with a three-way relationship, and that's part of what the film explores. But I, I thought it would be interesting to try to dig at that also. What are the pluses and minuses of not just somebody choosing to have a threesome in their couple relationship, but someone trying to make a relationship work between three people simultaneously. Right. That's an interesting. You, you, it's an interesting subject because we actually had a, a friend who uh, we met through work. We had never met who he was with, and he was very um, inhibited, um, but finally told us that he was a part of a a threesome that they had been together and they'd actually been together as three people for over 10 years wow. and yeah and it was um granted they they you know they had lived in california and he was working in colorado for a time period and then they moved to uh to oregon um so it was not something that was uh, it wasn't common in colorado and uh, you know i don't know how if it is is that common in california we don't have a, a number of acquaintances or friends who are we uh, associate with it who are in California, but it was something that was very foreign to us. But after we thought about it and talked about it a little bit, we're like, well, if it's love, it's love, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. it's, it is an interesting subject because we have paradigms and uh, certain societal norms that are formed on sometimes religious or family beliefs. And those are things that our society has stuck with. And we seem to be breaking a lot of those down now, um, or at least exploring them. And, and so why not explore them through film? It makes sense to do that. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, what, do, what, what does anybody really care if somebody's in a throuple or a couple, right? right. And as long as they're not affecting anybody else, it's no big, you know, no big right. deal. It's just yeah. accepted. I do think the, 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 the idea of hooking up with your friends in, in, in gay and lesbian culture is, um, you know, always a interesting you know occurrence right <laughs> you know, i think a lot of our friends became friends after they first hooked up well that's um, one of the things they talk about in the movie is that that seems pretty common that people hook up and then they realize you know what we i think we're more friends than romantic yeah. but it, when the reverse happens that's a little bit <laughs> stranger and i was surprised how many people that came in the actors to audition for the film told me oh this happened to me so I knew that maybe I was on. I knew that maybe I was on to something. Yeah, nice. I'd be more common than we think. <laughs> yeah, it could be. You know, I, th um, I thought it was a really well done movie, and one of the things I really liked about it was um, my problem with our problem with movies today very often is that there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of dialogue. There's not a whole lot of character development. But I thought in in in, in about 16 minutes, you really created characters, and there was significant dialogue. That it, and it was a very pragmatic conversation. It wasn't. You know, I don't want 
I don't, it was drama, of course, but it wasn't like dramatic, you know, it wasn't like over the top. It was very pragmatic discussion that they had, and I thought it was very interesting. And they were opposing, they had their own opposing views about this isn't right, we shouldn't be doing this, and but we love each other, and why, why shouldn't we do this, you know? So I thought it was very, very well laid out, and it was actually a pretty good argument, I thought, for, you know, if, if you're happy together as a threesome, or, or even if it's, whether it's one time or, you know, uh, for, your, for life, you know, pursue what's happy for you. Right, yeah. exactly. So do you like to explore or pick away at the at, at these paradigms or sir yeah, we kind of when we were thinking about it and talking about it last night you know the, the kind of the the Cinderella uh, experience or the Romeo and Juliet experience of bringing in things that are not you know the reason we said Cinderella is partly because we were thinking about the cast system in in the movie when you uh, can't curry love um, you know that, that that was maybe a a topic that you were maybe exploring or exposing to people there um, or you know this this idea of individuals who shouldn't be together because of societal norms are being are together now is that something you'd like to explore in your yeah, writing in your your movies. I definitely um, interesting matches are, but I don't know if I would say that they sh people that shouldn't be, but I think it's more people that normally might not cross paths is right. what interests me. Mm -hmm. So like I've done a film about someone who's on a group tour and they get assigned a roommate because they didn't pay that room pay the fee to get a room to themselves, and so they're just stuck together randomly with someone. And the in the film set in India, it's someone checking into the hotel, and then they, he has a relationship with someone who works at the hotel. Right. And especially in You Can't Carry Love, I was interested in doing something about a clash of cultures, a, a westernized person and someone from India, but for them both to be of Indian heritage, I thought that would be really interesting. Um, and that's more kind of what interests me, people from different sort of points of view who are brought together and then trying to see does love and sexual attraction sort of overcome those differences. Yeah. Where, where do you get your inspiration from? What, 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 how, how do you get the moment of inspiration to say, I'm going to create a, a movie about, um, you know, two, you know, a threesome or whatever your, your movie is, where, where does that come from? Well, each one is different. I'm, you know, a lot, I spend a lot of time thinking about the ideas before I ever write it. And for example, with Bed Buddies, I, the plan all along was it was going to be about two friends that slept together and woke up the next morning. And I had figured out the whole story. And, and then one day, it, I, I, I kept thinking, this isn't enough. It feels like there, it, there's something missing. And one day I suddenly thought, wait, what if it's three friends? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I had that thought, it like wrote itself practically. And then I knew the whole thing. Um, so it's a combination of a lot of time thinking about what would be interesting, what subjects are interesting, and then looking for that little spark of inspiration that makes it more cinematic or more entertaining. Right. So it's never necessarily an aha moment. It's more of a, something you've mulled over over time and it's sort of evolved into the end product. Yes. I mean, you know, sometimes I've been thinking about ideas for years before I ever actually do them. Like I, this short film, Foreign Relations, that's about the guy on the group tour. I'd done some of those group tours with my parents before and I always thought that was such a strange idea that the tour would stick you with some random stranger if you were traveling by yourself. And mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's really interesting. But I didn't write that for many years. And it actually wasn't until I 
like met some actors that I thought, ooh, I'd love to see these two actors play those two roles. That then that was for me the inspiration to finally write it. So sometimes it can even be meeting certain actors that you want to work with. Right. So it sounds like then there's there's multiple sparks that kind of move you along you know, the creative process. Would that be yeah. I, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, I think it's you know we talk about the iceberg effect a lot, David and me, and you know, um, we it's you know, ninety percent of the work is below the water that nobody sees. Ten percent is is the peak that everybody sees, and you know very often that's the point where people are like, oh, you're an overnight success, or this movie you just made this movie, you know, in in a week, you know, a bit, they don't understand all the work that goes into it. So I think it's for interesting that you said you know for foreign relations especially, you know, you thought about that storyline for years before you finally just got to a point where you were inspired to finally execute on, on the writing process of it. Yeah. yeah, there are shots in that movie that I shot, some of the scenery shots, maybe five or six years earlier on a trip, yes. Oh, wow. That ended up in the movie, so. so is that one of your tactics, is that you are constantly a, a, always on as a director or as a, as a cinematographer? <laughs> um, well, it, it, that more started from the the India film was I knew I was going to do that film and I was travel I was going to go on a trip there and I knew I wanted to do the project but I didn't want to write it until I had been there because as it is already it seemed very presumptuous of me to tell this story it isn't really my story to tell but because no one had told it I thought I would do it and but I wanted to wait until I had been there and so I went and I shot all this footage when I was there knowing that it would help you know inform what the story would end up being mm -hmm, and actually part of how I chose you know what to include in that story was based on what I had seen and what I had filmed there I don't do the cinematography for my movies overall but sometimes I do the the establishing shots okay. gotcha. I've That's done cool. it I've done the cinematography once but it's another one of those skills that you know, other people have That's left a professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it's like acting. There's other people that could do much better than me. So why should I do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, what do you struggle with as a director? What challenges are there that you have, and how do you kind of do you ever get to a point where you're you're kind of depressed and frustrated with a particular project, and how do you overcome that? For me, the the most difficult part is because I'm also producing the projects, which that's always one of those nebulous titles when you see in the credits of a movie like the producer and you think, well, what do they do, give them money? I mean, that's a part of it, but it's really the logistics. So like that, the film about the foreign relations where they're on the tour, they're going on a tour and they're supposed to go through Greece and Croatia. And so I had, you know, these shots, some of it was, you know, shots I had acquired and some were ones I had shot, but then how do I find locations in Los Angeles that would believably mix in with, you know, shots of Greece and Croatia? And in the India film, we shot every single scene with the actors was shot in Los Angeles, yeah. despite the movie being set in London and, and in India. So that process of finding locations and getting permission to film there, and then um, all of that can be very overwhelming because there's a lot of red tape and a lot of um, rules and people want insurance policies and it's not a very fun part and a lot of things go wrong in the process you arrive in the, the parking lot the gate is closed and locked and everybody's waiting you know 
and you're suddenly an hour behind schedule. You know, that part is not fun at all. Sure. And how do you overcome that? Because I, you know, I can imagine that that gets pretty frustrating, especially if you're sitting out in front of a gate that you're supposed to be able to get on the other side of. How do you overcome that and stay positive and execute on the project? Well, I would say that the difference between success and failure is um, to be successful, you have to continue on when any normal person would quit. <laughs> There's the because money quote. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the money quote. <laughs> There's always that point when you think, this is too much. I, I, why am I doing this to myself? It's too stressful. It's too difficult. It's not fun anymore. Um, but you just have to power through that and know that it will return to being what you want right, right. if you make it through that tough times. You have that quote? Um... You have to live for two or three years like nobody else wants to, so you can live for the rest That's of your great. life like nobody else can. You kind of, kind of got to go through that, that crazy period, that frustrating period, hit the wall, and then overcome that, so that you can have then the end product movie that everybody's like, "I wish I could have a movie like you," <laughs> but you've got to overcome all those hurdles to get there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've spent yeah, I've spent many, 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 many nights um, sitting in front of a computer editing all these projects, nights, weekends, you know when. I could be doing other things, you know, whether it's relaxing or whether it's going out and doing fun stuff. And you're kind of a slave in front of your editing system for a long time. And um, but that's a part of the process, and you can't get the end result without putting in that work. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, there's so many success stories that you hear of individuals who say, "I so wanted to quit." I so wanted to be done with it. I was so over whatever it is that they were working on. But then I just worked for an extra week or maybe it was a month or maybe it was a year. And now they have the success that they were looking for. It may not be wildly financially successful or fame, but it was the success that they were looking for. They finally achieved that. And it was because, like you said, they just put that little bit of effort, took that extra step that the normal person who wasn't who who wanted to achieve the success but wasn't willing to put in the effort they got what the, they got that success and i would like to say that um you know in spite of or in spite of what you're saying that's you that's defining what i've done as being successful you know i that's not a label i would put on myself that's for other people to decide i i mean there's so many aspirations and levels of success especially in the film business that i by no means consider myself a successful filmmaker. I'm I'm not an unsuccessful filmmaker, <laughs> but I'm just feeling like I'm just on the road, the path toward my goals and aspirations. But right. I don't want people to think that I'm saying I'm some amazing success story because absolutely, yeah. I guess. Well, I think that yeah, you know, it's it's the success how we define it ourselves, right? Yeah, you know, and, and you know Sometimes. the fact that you have a, have a film that has been what did you say, 75 different film festivals it's been to? I, I, I'm sure that there's some level of success that you have to, you appreciate and are grateful for and thankful for. Yeah, it, and who knows how far that would have gone or where it would have stopped had you not done a few more steps, you know, or not done an extra bit of editing because of X and Y. If you took that extra, you know, maybe it would have shown at one film festival and then, you know, yeah. so it's, 
you, 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 I, I would have to say, you know what, you have a, you have a, you have more than one film that's <laughs> been at a, a film festival. You are successful. <laughs> you know, I think it's really important for us to, no matter how we define success, to to celebrate every little win. Right. And, yeah. You know, and, and you know, hiring your first actor to be in your movie to me would have to be a win. To me, a huge win has to be that some movie theater is willing to put my movie up on their screen. I could never do that, but to me, it's, it's impressive that you did. And so I think celebrating every little success, um, whether it's it's you know, you know, no matter how humble we are, I think is, is important because yeah. I think um, it's those little successes that help you kind of get along to the, the to continue with those successes and to keep building on those and finally getting to whatever your ultimate goal is. So I think that's important. So like, I, we've enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for, for oh, joining you. us today. Yeah. And we're, we're very excited to, to meet you and to sponsor um, your film here when you're in Denver. Um, so and thank you for, for joining us for Queer Money because I think this there have been a lot of great uh, talking points here that I think our followers can get from it yeah. to apply to their lives um, as well as um, you know, to improve their lives. Definitely. And, and I, think that, so I think that what you're saying is important. That I think it's that an important part of success is uh, realizing that the achievements that you're making are the point of doing it. That right. you're constantly fixated on, you know, oh, I want to win an Oscar or whatever. You're not going to appreciate all these amazing things that happen on the way there. And right. so what you're saying is so true. And that's what I've been trying to do as well as, yeah, just enjoy each step of the way and yeah, not get fixated on what I haven't achieved, but instead, yeah, just appreciate all these amazing experiences that I've been lucky enough to have so far, and yeah. hopefully they will continue. Yeah. Exactly. Got to enjoy the journey. Yes, exactly. Because sometimes it's very long. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. So thank you. And again, we'll just remind everyone uh, to check out Bed Buddies and see if it's uh, coming to a festival near you. Uh, we know that's kind of festival season, so uh, please check that out. And uh, if not, uh, check uh, watch online for it. Uh, I think uh, you, you have yeah, it will be coming. It will be coming online eventually when it's done playing festivals. Nice, very cool. That's very pretty cool. exciting. So yeah, definitely, um, and we'll provide links um, and information to uh, where they can find some more information about the movie as well. All right. Thank you. Thank very you, much. Reed. We appreciate. Thank it. you. Yeah, yes. it was nice to have you. Yes. Yeah, nice to meet you. Bye. Bye bye. bye. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> would help me if I had a personal chef made all my all coffee meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts, so... <laughs> yeah. uh, From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.